Imagine this, John Wilkes Booth, the assassin of Abraham Lincoln, becomes a revered figure in the United States. Unimaginable, right? Well, imagine now what's happening in India, where Hindu nationalists, including some in Narendra Modi's ruling Bharatiya Janata Party, or BJP, see the person who assassinated Gandhi, Nataram Godse, as a martyr. He's become celebrated Even a play has been written about him. Statues are being erected. Now, how does this fit with Modi, who says that his administration has served the country by following the teachings of Mahatma Gandhi? How has this come about and what does this reveal about Indian society today? Yasmin Serhan is a London-based writer at The Atlantic magazine. Only decades ago, I think the prospect of God say being seen as anything but really a traitor, that the man who killed the father of the nation, I think would have been unthinkable. I think what should be made clear, of course, is that God say isn't celebrated by all Indians, but I think certainly among some, particularly among the sort of Hindu nationalist right. Yes, there's a, there's a political element to it, isn't there? Yes, his reputation has kind of been rehabilitated in recent years. And experts I spoke to, historians, biographers of Godse and others, told me that you started to see this happening more and more since the rise of the BJP, Narendra Modi's party, in 2014. Since we started to see more of the rise of the Hindu nationalist right, of which Godse was a member, he was a member of the RSS, the BJP didn't exist when he was alive, mm-hmm. however, ideologically speaking, they share a lot of the same goals. They both espouse this vision of India being a Hindu nationalist state first and foremost, a a vision that really runs contrary to the vision that Gandhi and and other of India's founding fathers had for the country, which was a secular, pluralist democracy. So God say now, is it fair to say he's described as a martyr or, or a patriot? I think if you look to some of those voices who share his ideological views, the right-wing political party Hindu Mahasabha, they seem to be the loudest voices, but they have quite a big membership. I think the last figure I saw was 750,000. But you're, you're seeing people sort of understanding his motivations a bit more. You wouldn't necessarily see the likes of Prime Minister Modi, for example, lauding God say in public. This is something that I think is still probably too taboo. But in practice, a lot of the things that he's overseen, the sort of communal violence that we've seen in India today, a lot of the Hindu nationalist policies that we've seen vis-a-vis Kashmir, the Citizenship Amendment Act Mm. that we saw a few years ago in India, these are a lot of things that God say probably would have approved of. They align more with his worldview. In fact, so much so that when I was speaking to one um, one historian, I remember he told me that if Gandhi and God say were to be alive today, he wasn't so certain that Gandhi would be elected in this political climate in India today. Mm. That actually God say would probably have more of a fair shot given the rise of Hindu nationalism that we've seen, but also the unfortunate communal violence that we've seen, uh, predominantly between India's Muslim and, and Hindu populations. But but this is also affecting India's Christians and many other minorities. Now, in, in a play that's been uh, produced about Nataram Godse, the father and the assassin, he says, once you get to know my story, then you'll understand me. What do we need to know about Godse's story to understand him? I think the fact that it's focused on him speaks 
to the transformation of Godse as like a once reviled figure into this ascendant avatar of Hindu nationalism. And and I think what he meant by that when he says it, and, and the the actor who portrays him was was very, very good, is that, you know, you need to understand my motivations, that I had good reason. I was a defender of India, um, the defender of Hindus as he saw himself. And yeah, I mean, what, what I found interesting about the play and the reason I wanted to go see it was because I wanted to see how sympathetic they were to God's say mm. view. Obviously, this is something that's come up more and more. And I was like, in a city like London, would a play about Gandhi's murderer, you know, what would it be like? And actually, what I found interestingly is that it's not sympathetic as such. However, because Godse is the protagonist, you are seeing all these events largely through his view. But interestingly, Godse is portrayed not so much as like, a big thinker or a leader like Gandhi. Or no, indeed. indeed a follower, isn't he? Because his journey exactly. is that he is someone who had at one point um, followed Gandhi, but had undergone his own transformation. You talk about the RSS, the Hindu Nationalist Paramilitary Organisation of the 1920s that talked about the, the establishment of a Hindu nation. What led him on that journey and how does that parallel the search for identity? that we see in India playing out today with the Hindutva, Hindu nationalism of today. Yeah, I mean, Gautzi is very much portrayed as quite an impressionable figure. And when V.D. Savarkar, the author, or I guess the founder of the Hindutva, this Hindu nationalist ideology, entered into his life, because he happened to be in, in the same town as him at one point. Then he started to undergo this ideological transformation. But I think ultimately what Godse was craving, both in the play, but perhaps also in real life, though, I mean, this play does stress that it is not, you know, 100% historically accurate, but at least in his portrayal, he's very much craving to have some sort of purpose. I think even in the play, I, I quote it in the piece, but one of his prison guards jibes him by saying, you know, you're only going to be a footnote in history. Mm. But he really isn't a footnote anymore. We're seeing that statues have been erected in his honor. There have been petitions to rename cities after him. As for the role, though, I mean, fundamentally, the reason that Godse turned on Gandhi was because he saw Gandhi as being too acquiescing to Muslim demands. He blamed Gandhi for the partition of India in, in 1947, mm. um, India and, and Pakistan were created. Pakistan was it ended up enshrining Islam as the religion of the state. India was not Hinduism's answer to Pakistan, but some people like Godse thought, hey, perhaps it should be. And I think that's the real fight that we're seeing in India today, a fight for India's soul, in a way, a, a fight for what India should be, its identity. And the fight is happening between those who subscribe to the Gandhi view of, you know, India should be a country for all of its citizens, mm. albeit a Hindu majority, versus those like Godse, Savarkar, and others who think, actually, no, perhaps Hindus should really wrest control. And I think what Modi has done quite brilliantly since 2014, really, um, is convinced the majority that actually they're the victim and mm. there's cause for this. And Yasmin, what does this tell us about the future of India and India as a democracy? Because we're at this, this unique and interesting point of history where a country like India can be aligned with countries like Australia, the United States and Japan and the Quad Group to push back against the rising influence of China. And yet clearly, under Modi, India is not an exemplary democracy and with the forces of identity that you're talking about, um, potentially very dangerous in the country as well. What does it tell us right now 
about the future of India as a democracy. I think what it tells us is that these values that we have in democracies, whether it's press freedom, pluralism, all these things, that they're not set in stone when you create a state um, or when you create a country. They have to be nurtured. They have to be protected. And unfortunately, what we're seeing in India, the opposite is happening. They're not being nurtured. Um, there's communal unrest that isn't being condemned by the highest in, in government. Press freedom is under attack in India. Indian democracy is really at stake. And there are fights over what India should be that could potentially exclude hundreds of millions of people. Um, if, if, uh, so I think it's important that we pay attention to this, because to your point, India is, to the United States, to Australia, to others, a very important and crucial ally. But I think it is incumbent upon allies to also recognize, as friends, to speak hard truths to friends. Whether India would be receptive to that kind of criticism from the U.S., Australia, as well, I don't think so. I've spoken to Indian lawmakers about this as well. They don't necessarily see it as the place of India's allies to speak about sort of internal matters. But it's important because I think the India that we've all come to know and love, and it's such a rich country with amazing culture and amazing people, that's really under threat today. And I think it's important that we pay attention. Yasmin Sirhan, thank you again for giving us your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you for having me. Yasmin Sirhan, staff writer at The Atlantic magazine. ABCRN helps you understand the world. Find more of our stories on the ABC Listen app.